Podcast Network Asia. You are listening to part one of a two-part series into how the OFW dream has turned into a nightmare for three ill-fated Filipina domestic helpers in Kuwait in the last 24 hours. For the Filipino OFW, nothing is sweeter than the homecoming. Often, that moment at the arrival area of the international airport is when all the lonely time away, the aches of backbreaking work and years of swallowing their pride dealing with workplace harassment and discrimination melts away. This is when all their hard work and sacrifice begin to make sense, when they finally see their family and loved ones, is when they think to themselves that it's all been worth it. For the estimated 2.2 million OFWs working abroad who come home, this is the happy scene that unfolds for them. But for the unlucky ones, their homecoming is the end of a horrific ordeal they thought they could endure, all for the chance to give their families back home a better future. This is the story of Joanna de Mafilis, Jenalyn Villavende, and Constantia Dayag, mothers, daughters, and sisters who have come home in wooden caskets to their anguished families from the same place, Kuwait, an oil-rich Middle East country flanked by Saudi Arabia, Iraq, and Iran, considered the fourth richest in the region. While OFW's coming home in caskets is sadly not uncommon, three migrant workers dying one after another within two years from the same country is a sinister indication that something has gone very wrong. Neither of the women knew the other. All three came from different regions in the Philippines and all were of different ages. But their time in Kuwait would tell a similar horrific story, one of torture from the hands of their employers and stunning neglect from the institutions tasked to look after their welfare. A heartbreaking and shameful ending for Filipinos considered to be the country's new heroes. Joanna Demophilus left to work as a domestic helper in Kuwait in 2014, and by early 2016 was still in contact with her relatives in Iloilo. In an interview with CNN Philippines, Joyce, Joanna's sister, revealed that they only got to talk to her thrice a year, and the calls would only last a few minutes. Aware of the many horror stories coming out of the region involving domestic helpers, the family was understandably anxious for Joanna. In every call, they would ask if she's being maltreated, but Joanna never mentioned anything. Joyce expressed her suspicion that her sister was possibly being monitored by her employers during these calls. Then, in September 2016, after family noticed that they couldn't find either of Joanna's Facebook accounts, they made several attempts to get in touch with her, but she never answered her phone. Concerned for her welfare, the family turned to the Philippine Overseas Employment Agency and the Overseas Workers' Welfare Administration for assistance in locating her. Both agencies failed to find Joanna as the recruitment agency called Our Lady of Mount Carmel Global E-Human Resources had closed down. OFW rights group Migrante spokesperson Arman Hernando said in an interview with Rappler that the Philippine government failed to find Joanna because it places too much confidence in recruiters and employers. 
adding that oftentimes the government passes the obligation of settling OFW issues to recruitment agencies, referring to Republic Act 8042 or the Migrant Workers Act, Section 29, which states, the migration of workers becomes strictly a matter between the worker and his foreign employer. Hernando points out that this is a contributing factor and stumbling block to immediately and appropriately addressing OFW issues. It would be almost two years later, in February 2018, that they would learn of her shocking fate, and it all happened by chance. The apartment of Syrian Muna Alihusun and her Lebanese husband Nader Asaf were abandoned when Kuwait authorities broke in. Sent in on an investigation related to the couple's unpaid business dues and cases of falsified checks, the police would find neither Muna nor Nader in sight. By all indications, the apartment looked like it had been abandoned for a long time. And yet, the freezer was turned on. The police would make a shocking discovery why. In it, they would find the frozen corpse of Joanna de Mafilis. An autopsy conducted in Kuwait would reveal that she was already dead when she was placed in the freezer and had been in there for over a year. She was 29 years old. Dying to collaborate with the last 24 hours? If you have a podcast, sign up now at podmetrics.co and use the code in all caps LAST24 HOURS to get full control of how you monetize your show regardless of its size. If you're an advertiser who wants to collaborate with The Last 24 Hours, head on over to advertiser.podmetrics.co and fill up the form. Let's kill it with Podmetrics, the easiest way to monetize your podcast. In an interview with GMA7, the Philippine ambassador to Kuwait, Renato Villa, revealed that the couple had reported that Joanna had absconded, meaning she had left her job without resigning, in November 2016. Nader and his wife then left the apartment and left explicit instructions to the landlord not to enter, explaining that they've left a number of valuables behind. It wasn't made clear if the couple continued to pay for the rent and or the electric bill. As soon as the discovery of Joanna's body made the news, the couple reportedly left Kuwait, triggering an Interpol manhunt. Weeks later, they would be arrested in Syria. Asaf was extradited back to Lebanon to face trial, while his wife, a Syrian native, was held back in Damascus. More than a month after his arrest, Asaf confessed to killing Joanna and was charged with murder. Days later, a Kuwaiti court sentenced the couple in absentia, to death by hanging. To date, Syrian courts have found the wife Muna guilty of Joanna's death and given a prison sentence of 8 to 15 years while the husband's sentencing in Lebanon is ongoing. What they did to Joanna was unconscionable. The official cause of death according to the autopsy conducted in Kuwait would be fatal injury sustained from severe beatings. Joanna had several broken ribs contusion and trauma on her pelvis and kidney area which led to massive internal bleeding. Additionally, the forensic doctor also revealed that she suffered this assault on an extended daily basis. Her battered body was repatriated back home on February 12, 2018, to much anguish and national outrage. 
As more details of her horrific death was made public, a diplomatic row between the Philippines and Kuwait erupted and set off a total deployment ban to the region. At an early February news conference, Philippine President Rodrigo Duterte held up graphic photos of another Filipino domestic helper battered in Kuwait and demanded answers from the Kuwaiti government. In Kuwait, domestic workers play an important role in society. According to an international labor organization report on attitudes, working conditions, and employment relationships on domestic workers in Kuwait, published in 2015, domestic helpers contribute to maintaining the country's wealth and lifestyle. With a population of only 1.3 million citizens, the country employs 660 domestic workers, representing one domestic worker for every two Kuwaiti citizens. After Saudi Arabia, Kuwait hosts the second largest number of domestic workers in the Middle East. And yet, domestic workers are excluded from basic labor laws, denying them protection of their most basic rights. This same report would find that employer attitudes toward domestic workers to be conflicting, that while they have an understanding that domestic workers are human too, practices such as withholding passports, long working hours, lack of a weekly day off or preventing workers from going out was the norm and strongly justified. Joanna's gruesome and public death would introduce the first steps in improving conditions for Philippine domestic workers in Kuwait. On May 11, 2018, a few short months after Joanna's body returned home, the Kuwaiti government drafted new regulations in cooperation with the Philippine government that will allow Filipino domestic helpers a weekly day off, the right to retain their passports, and the right to transfer their visas to another employer. Additionally, the law also mandates that the work will not exceed 12 hours a day with one hour work break and be provided a personal mobile phone with internet connection and be given an annual holiday of 22 days. It's not clear if other domestic workers from other countries are given the same rights. With these protections in place, Filipino domestic workers in Kuwait could finally breathe a sigh of relief and be able to concentrate on earning a living for their families without feeling like they have to sacrifice their personal safety to do so. If only. On May 14, 2019, 47-year-old Constantia Dayag was rushed to the Al-Sabah Hospital in Kuwait but was declared dead on arrival. Her employer, Badr Ibrahim Muhammad, would be arrested for her murder. Yet again, a Filipino family would be deprived of their happy homecoming. How can this happen again? Find out in the next episode of The Last 24 Hours. Find out how two more Filipina domestic workers would die in the hands of their employers in the second episode of our two-part series, Into the Kuwait Murders, in the last 24 hours. Don't miss out on new episodes, like and subscribe to The Last 24 Hours, or follow the podcast on Facebook at Historia Nijet, where you can get in touch, tell me your thoughts, suggest cases, or just say hello. I'll do my best to get back to you.
The views and opinions expressed by the podcast creators, hosts, and guests do not necessarily reflect the official policy and position of Podcast Network Asia. Any content provided by the people on the podcast are of their own opinion and are not intended to malign any religion, ethnic group, club, organization, company, individual, or anyone or anything. Thank you.